Hi, Patrick here from the Bridges team, and we are in our series titled, Let Go. Jesus told his followers 2,000 years ago, If anyone wishes to come after me, let him deny himself and pick up his cross and follow me. Has the idea of becoming a Jesus follower been tugging at your heart lately? Do you have questions about what it means to follow him? Are you holding on to reasons why you hesitate to follow Christ? This week, Pastor Ron will discuss what it means to truly follow Christ and let go. Morning, church. Um, really, is a delight to be here with you, and uh, a privilege to be in God's Word. Um, first service, we had a little uh, announcement. On, they asked, "How many of you are back from Mexico?" And I raised my hand, and I was I was the only one there. But I know there's some of you. How many of you are back from Mexico? Great, good, <clears throat> great to have you. Sweet. Um, we really had a rich time, and um, wanted to appreciate you for many of you invest in the lives of these who were able to go down and support us and so we could make this ministry happen. And I wanted to personally thank you for your investment, your financial investment. Um, we had a really rich time, a great time, a lot of highlights in this trip. If you're not familiar with what we do, our, our church takes care of, helps care for three orphanages in Mexico. And um, what we do in this particular time is we go down and send a bunch of teams and we Love on these children um, in these really palatial digs down in Mexico. It's actually just a bunch of dirt and um, baños and stuff. But it's, it's, uh, it's really a really good time. And the people that go down, I just want to brag about them for a moment because they give up vacation time and they uh, make financial sacrifice to make it happen. And they sacrifice, uh, you know, indoor plumbing and... Um, <laughs> some of the comforts that we might enjoy at home. And, but it's so worth it. I, I, you won't, make sure you talk to someone that are wearing the Mexico shirts on or whatever. Tony, you're looking good. Yeah. Surprising. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's just, yeah. Um, so it's just, uh, just, you'll find that they've richly loved what God did through them and encouraged, been encouraged by God's love. And, um, I, I do love that you participate. So if you just got back, you'll know some of If you see someone nodding off during the middle of the service, we got back late last night, so um, just poke them, and they'll be good. So thank you. Again, Mexico was just really rich. One of my highlights was spending time with our, the pastor who leads our orphanage. I'm going to mention him at the end of the message, and just uh, what encouragement he is to me. We have been in this series called Let Go, and uh, it's birthed out of this phrase of Jesus, this radical, compelling phrase that some of us squirm, you know, over when we read the words of Jesus, when he said, if anyone wishes to come after me, let him deny himself, pick up his cross and follow me. And we know, those of us who have studied the Gospels, that there weren't just metaphorical words, they're real true words. If, if anyone wants to come my direction, there's going to be actual literal sacrifice going this road. Hey, who wants in? Right? And, um, and I know some of my friends and acquaintances have said, not me. You know, I, I don't really want to pay that price. Now, I think they're missing some huge blessings in life. But they choose not to because they don't want to pay that price. And some of us have heard a gospel or have heard a description of Jesus and his words. That's kind of Jesus light, a gospel light. It doesn't really 
tell the truth about what it means to follow Jesus. If you choose to follow Jesus, there will be sacrifice. There's no getting around it. That's, that's just the truth and the reality of it. And sacrifice in a lot of different ways. Maybe it's energy. Maybe it's time, resources, finances. There are a lot of ways that God is going to call you to sacrifice. So the question is, why in the world would you ever want to do that? Why would you want to follow Jesus if you know there's going to be sacrifice involved? And why would you want to let go of stuff that you find precious? I think there are some compelling reasons why to let go and why we're doing this series. And I just want to list a couple personal ones to me. Perhaps you'll share these. And uh, perhaps it will encourage you if you're not currently discovering how to let go and follow Jesus. And the first is this that God calls, that the Lord God of heaven and earth who created you, who shaped you with purpose and meaning and direction, he calls you. Now imagine after church, you go home and uh, you're in the middle of lunch and you get a phone call on your cell phone. And on, on your phone, uh, you don't recognize the number. You think, oh, maybe it's just, you know, a crank call or maybe it's a salesperson. You're just about ready to hang up. And the person says, wait, I, I need you just to listen really, really carefully. I'm the personal secretary of President Obama. Would you um, please hold for the president? So you think it's your friend and you're going to hang up, you know. But um, you choose just, uh, okay, just on the off chance that this wild thing is really reality, I'm going to just listen to, you know, them try to, you know, go with this joke or whatever it is. And and in just a couple seconds, you recognize the voice. It's actually the President of the United States on your cell phone, calling, talking to you right now. And, you know, you're, all of a sudden your pulse starts to race. You're, you know, you've got a little sweat going. And you're, you're, you're excited. You're a little intimidated. You're not sure what's going on. Have you broken some law? You know, it's, you know what's going on? And he's inviting you, you, to the White House. He has a staff position for you that he'd like you to fulfill. Now, you've, you can instantly think of all kinds of excuses why not to go. Maybe you don't like his administration or the direction they're headed. Maybe, maybe you, you like your job. Maybe you're very comfortable in what you're doing right now, and you love Fremont so much, you can imagine any other place to be in the world. Maybe there's a long list of reasons why you could say no. But this is the president of the United States who's calling you personally. So at least you listen and you consider seriously, what am I going to say here, right? Should I accept this invitation? Listen, this is not the president of the United States calling you. Someone far more important and powerful is calling you. He's calling you. What do you do with that? Come, follow me. That's the call. And so because of who it is that's on the phone calling me, I respond. We just sang it. Well, wasn't that a great moment in, in worship together as we're singing all together? Holy, holy, holy. That's who's calling you. So because he's calling, I, I respond. I say, okay, well, yeah, I think I can, I can let go of stuff to do something more important, far more important with my life. Another reason is because following Jesus leads to the things 
I need most in life. Quick, come up with a list, brief, short list of the things you need most in this life. Just mentally, real quick, Jan, just use those brain cells. Go, boom. Okay, go. Fast. Now share it with somebody around you. Things you need most in life. Yeah, I know some of you are thinking, I'm in church. He's looking for the, the answer. So you said Jesus, right? <clears throat> but most of you are saying water. Okay, I need breath. I need the thing, according to scripture, that you need most in life is the Bible answer. The thing you need most in this life right now in this instance is the right relationship between you and God. Because your breath that you're taking right now, that's not more important than the eternal life that you'll share. The most significant thing is your relationship with God, that you come to him by faith and receive his forgiveness and grace because what he's done on the cross, that's the most essential thing. In just a few minutes, you're going to see some people stand up in front of you. Eight people are going to give testimony to a changed life. They've received Christ. They're making a statement, a personal statement before us, and they're going to be baptized. It's a statement of, yes, I'm following Jesus, and I've received the gift of his life and forgiveness. And it's a visual imagery of that, that a person is lowered into the water and identifying Romans chapter 6 to his death and his resurrection as they're raised to newness of life. That's a picture for us of what happens in a person when they come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the thing I need most. And if I don't follow him, I will not get the thing that I need most. So I say yes to the call. That's why I say yes. It's the thing I needed most. And thirdly, the things I let go of now don't compare to heaven. The things that I am going to be called to sacrifice, they don't compare to what God has. And yet, I wrestle, struggle. You wrestle and struggle with it, don't you? Of letting go of the trinkets, the stuff that's not going to last. And we grab hold of those things, we grip onto them, we hoard them, we invest in them, we spend our time and energy and resources in them and not eternal things. And because of that, Jesus makes... This compelling statement in Matthew chapter 6, if you'd open your Bible to Matthew chapter 6, because he doesn't want you to lose sight of the value of heaven and of life with him. And because you can't get there hoarding useless things, Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 19. You have Bible in front of you or around you or on your phone or iPad, whatever you brought. Just Get in the Bible and not do the games. That'd be great. If you see somebody doing games around you, you know, call them out. Reuben, that's not a game, right? Your Bible? Okay, great. Okay, good. Starting verse 19. Now listen, these words may be familiar to you. Do not let them get comfortable. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of sight. 
you can see what God is calling you to, if you have perspective, he's saying. But if your eye is bad, if your whole, your whole body will be full of darkness, if then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. You can only be a servant of one. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, or about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither soar, excuse me, neither sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Anyone here? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field and how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. There is a letting go and seeking what God is calling us to. And so Jesus describes it to this gathered crowd of people. Brief word of context. He's not speaking to the 1%. He's not speaking to the uber-rich He's speaking to a general crowd of people. And if you saw this crowd today, if they came in and were worshiping with us, there would probably be people who would be on the lower end of the economic scale, right? They would be poorer people gathered that Jesus is speaking to. But people of all time and all classes have always wrestled with the issue of treasures, right? It's, it's in our fallenness to be full of greed and to struggle and wrestle with where we invest and, and what we really treasure, what's closest to our hearts, our priorities. So Jesus calls people out. This is a statement in context about kingdom living. It's not a new set of rules or laws or things to place on you to make you feel guilty because you're not measuring up. That's not it. It's about how do I live in pursuit of God And how do I live the life that he's called me to? And how do I do that in a way that brings blessing and honor to God himself? So he makes a statement about kingdom living. He's making a sermon, actually. The Sermon on the Mount is about that different kind of life that God has called us to. It really reinvents what living for God looks like and means. And in that context, he makes these statements about our treasures because he knows how perverted our hearts can get, how our messed up our priorities can become because of our treasures. 
And he makes some pretty defining statements there, doesn't he? I mean, he doesn't pull any punches. He says the pursuit of God and the pursuit of material treasures are mutually exclusive. If your love, if your pursuit, the things that are on your mind and attention and affection are material goods, specifically, he says, money, then it's an issue because God won't be first. He's not saying become dirt poor, all money is bad. That's not what he's saying. But he is saying there's a huge danger in what you treasure. And I know you. You will allow material goods and things, and you will allow riches, specifically money, to pervert your heart. You cannot love me and love money at the same time. It just doesn't work. It will never work. Because your priorities will get messed up. Has anyone here ever had their priorities messed up with resources? Yeah, everybody, okay? And those of you who didn't raise your hand instantly, um, you're either shy or you're liars. Like, that's the truth. We all, every one of us, wrestle with this. Even those who are the most spiritually mature among us can grapple with this. We live in a materialistic world. Our neighbors have got all the goods, so we're thinking, can I get a bigger one? Can I get a nicer one? And that's messed up priorities because God has called us to a different kind of living. Kingdom living, investing into things that will not rust, as Jesus says in Matthew 6, that will not decay, that will not be destroyed by time. How many of us have bought something only to discover it broken just a couple months later, a couple weeks later, and thought, wow, that wasn't a very good investment. How many of us have invested in the life of a person, a child, from the name of Jesus and walked away from that investment and thought, nah, that, was, that was a waste of time? It doesn't work that way. When I invest in eternal things, the things that last, the things that God treasures, and he wants me to treasure as well, then I'm blessed. Then it's rich. So, in the context, he's making this statement about kingdom living. And he knows us, that my lust for more things will never be satisfied, that no amount of money will ever be enough for me. And it will not last, even if I had a giant pile, it would not last eternally. And there's another reason why God calls us this direction is because God does not accept a bride, that's us, with multiple lovers. Doesn't accept it. Now, he forgives when I turn my back on him, I allow my heart to go a different direction, and I come back to him. He forgives me. But the great truth is that God wants all of it. He wants my heart. He wants my affection, my first priority. He wants me in line walking with him, not distracted by all the other stuff, investing in things that matter and last forever. And these are words that Jesus gives here intended to expose and purify our hearts, that our highest allegiance should be his. They expose us because we're all struggling with the treasure principle, right? We're all struggling with what we truly treasure and feel, you know, a bit of guilt and shame over it. That's not the point. He doesn't want to leave us with shame. He wants to heal us and to create in us a person 
who seeks wholly after God and enjoys the blessing of a generous life, of generosity in time and energy that I spend and in investments I make. And yes, in my money, how I spend my resources, my finances. So it's a call to treasure the things that matter. So here's the heart of the call of this message of Jesus in Matthew 6. First, don't treasure temporary things. Now Jesus, throughout time, had been trying to teach people this lesson. Garden of Eden, ideal place. God provided all their needs. They didn't need money there in the Garden of Eden because all of their needs were met. And all they had to really concentrate on was a relationship, a personal, healthy, whole, meaningful relationship with God the Father. That's all they had to, that's all they had to think about. It wasn't good enough, was it? And they went a different direction and paid this huge price. Moses, he's got the people of Israel, and they're in the wilderness. How are they going to be provided for? Well, God is going to provide for them. And so he sends manna, but manna's got a date, doesn't it? By tomorrow, it gets bad. Now, why did God design manna that way? He designed it that way so people would be dependent on him and they wouldn't hoard. He knows us. In our spirits, we hoard. Now, we we look at other people and marvel at how other people hoard all this other stuff, but all of us are hoarders inside. And he's trying to help the people of Israel understand following me is not about hoarding. I'll provide everything you need. Listen, Jesus says, you think that I don't care for the little birds in your backyard? How much more do I value you? Of course I'm going to care for you. So why are you so anxious? Why do you worry about the things that don't matter? It's because your treasure's in the wrong spot. And that bank is not dependable. It's going to fail. Your stuff's going to rot. Treasure the things that are on my heart. What are those things? What are the things that matter most to the Lord God? Do you know who they are? What are the things that last? God lasts. We know that. Praise God. He lasts and he is eternal. His word lasts. His word is eternal, scripture tells us. The kingdom of God, that lasts. That's the point that he's preaching here in the message, in the Sermon on the Mount. The kingdom lasts, so that's why it's significant. And people last. So invest in those things. The other stuff, it's all going to fall by the wayside. Invest in the things that wholly and truly matter. So don't treasure the temporary things. So let me ask you, what have you invested in? I said on the outline this month, but just in the last couple of days, what have you invested in that's temporary? Long list, huh? Right? If you started listing them all out, you'd come up with this kind of humbling list of all the things you invested in with your time and energy and your money that's not going to last very long. It's a great way to kind of step back and say, whoa, what what am I doing here with with my time and resources and energy? Am I investing in things that will last forever? Jesus says, store for yourselves things that will last forever that will be eternally secure. So what have you invested in recently that will be lasting, that is eternal? It's why you see people coming back from mission trips, maybe Mexico, but we have had a lot of them this summer, 
that are so engaged and, and you know, it, there's something about walking away from an experience where you poured yourself out and you know, wow, that's, that's going to last. It wasn't just about, you know, a project that we did. It was about relationships and building into the life of, like in the, for the Mexico trip for these children. It was actually living out scripture. James tells us that true religion, real religion, is caring for orphans and widows. That's why we do what we do. Because that last, Jesus loves them and has called us to the same ministry. So how do I invest eternally in things that God wants me to invest in? Before I get there, let me just say this, that if my priorities are right, I don't have to sweat the small stuff. That's what Jesus is explaining here. That if I have my priorities of investment, that I'm treasuring the things that are on the heart of God that last eternally, if I really treasure those things, God is going to care for all the little details. He's God. He can do that. If, if we had the opportunity, we could walk through the stories of people in this room who have been cared for in small ways and big ways by the hand of God and his provision in their life. You would be astounded. And you would step back again and say, wow, I just forgot how faithful God is. Why did I forget that? Why did I lose sight of those priorities? Treasure the things that are near and dear to the heart of God, the things that last. That's, that's the word of God here. Do not treasure money. It will, it will be dissatisfying. It will rust. It will rot. Now, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't be wise with your money. We are called to be wise stewards. And part of that wisdom means using all the giftings that God has given us with those resources that God has allowed us to earn and to work hard at it to invest in eternal things, things that last. At the end of the day, you want to make sure that all of your investments paid off. And if you're investing in temporary things, they will not pay off, Jesus is saying. Only the things of the kingdom of God last. So, how do you do it? I have a friend. Some of you know him. He lives down in Mexico. His name is Ricardo. And he's the pastor of the orphanage that um, we have the privilege of partnering with my team that I'm part of. It's not my team. A team I get to join is part of. And um, I had really great conversations with him this, this week. Um, he allowed me to share a story with you. Ricardo uh, <clears throat> grew up in relative poverty, became a truck driver, and um, was able, actually, to earn a pretty good living driving a truck. He met his wife. They got married. And, um, but neither one of them really knew Jesus. They had had a, kind of a cultural background connected to Catholicism, but weren't walking with him. And Ricardo made a series of really stupid mistakes. He was unfaithful to his wife. And she found out about it, and she was going to leave him. She's kind of a spitfire. I love that about her. And I just like, that's not where it work, you know, where I'm, I'm leaving you. And she was kind of, you know, this total upheaval for her. And um, a friend invited her to church. She went to church. And she found something she had never had in her life before. She discovered that if she trusted the Lord Jesus Christ by faith, that he would forgive her and he would bring her into relationship with herself and love her wholly and purely and truly. And uh, she came in a relationship with, with God and um, 
she, you know, started sharing it with her husband that she was estranged to, really, at that point, and he didn't want to hear anything about it. Don't know if you've been there, men, but didn't want to hear anything about that, <clears throat> but he knew that his marriage was a wreck, and so to appease his wife, he kind of went to church once and uh, thought the worship was kind of strange and uh, didn't really know what to make of God's word because he hadn't heard it taught that way before. And yet, it, something just kind of kept at him. That would be the Spirit of God, actually. Kind of kept at him. And um, eventually, he gave his life to the Lord. He started growing in his faith. And about six, seven years into this growth of faith, just thought, man, how do I make a difference? And how do I invest in the kingdom? And so he's still working full-time. And he started to start a, tried to start a church. And so their church, <clears throat> they started with 12 chairs. On a bas- in a basketball court underneath a tree. And uh, for the first seven months, it was he and his wife and another friend. That's the only people who showed up, kept going in this community and kept sharing with them. And, and, uh, and um, But finally, he started understanding, we, I need to take the gospel to these people. And he started making an impact in his little community. And people started to come, and they found a bigger tree, and they met there. And then um, God provided a facility. And as it happened, he started meeting guys, especially in the community, with needs they had for substance abuse. And it's kind of a CR program in Mexico, right? And he started helping them address their addictive behavior and um, seeing people come to faith in Jesus. And then God got a hold of their heart. And what are the things that God treasures? He starts seeing little kids on the street, and there's not the infrastructure in his area to care for these little kids. And they brought in a couple kids and a couple more. They got 50 kids in their house now. And this church is caring for these kids. It's a church, 65 people, 70 people. They got 50 kids. And um, they brought them in their house. They're raising these kids. This is a really great story. He's got a dream for 100 kids. They don't know how they're going to pay for the food. They don't know how they're going to find the resources to do it. God's calling them to do, but they just know these kids need to be loved, and that the things that matter most are investing in eternity, treasuring the things that really matter to last. He's a hero to me. I, I love Ricardo and his wife. They're their model for, um, for me. That's what the Lord God is saying. Treasure the things that last. So how do you do it? Let's get specific. There are all kinds of opportunities. Maybe God's calling you to Mexico. You could leave right now. Maybe catch the group at the airport, but that might not be what's best for you. So um, <clears throat> uh, maybe not. We do have VBS coming up, which is a great opportunity to invest in the life of a lot of kids who don't know Jesus. And you can sacrifice some vacation time. You can figure out a way to invest in the mornings and kids' lives. We have ongoing ministries in the life of this fellowship. You can figure out a way to start serving and to get off the pew and get engaged in your faith to invest in eternal things. On the 24th, we're going to give everybody, August 24th, an opportunity to do church in a different way. We're going to all meet together at a different hour. I know it's changed. It's really hard, but we're going to call everybody to meet with us at 9 o'clock. We're going to worship a little bit, and we're going to go take our faith into the community and serve Fremont. In a lot of creative ways, you can use a lot of different skill sets, but we're just going to take the gospel, get outside the walls of the church here, and do it in a creative way. There are those ways. 
And there's also the way specifically that the Bible's calling us right here not to treasure money, but to actually to look at your checkbook, to look at your accounts, and to say, how am I investing in the kingdom of God right now? How am I doing that? Because that's going to measure your heart. That's kind of a harsh way to say it, isn't it? But I didn't say it. Jesus said it. How are you investing in things that last? Now, the amount of offering that we have here, I, that's not the big thing that matters to me, really. What really matters to me is that we learn to invest in the kingdom of God, the things that really last. At the end of the day, you can look back on your investments and say, wow, these th- I was investing in eternal things. Not all the time, but I was growing in my capacity to do that. I was taking some steps forward to be able to do that in practical ways. And that's really the heart of it. So examine yourself and invest Try investing, taking a baby step even, and investing in things financially that will last eternally this week in a way that stretches you in a bigger way. And yeah, we'd love for you to be faithful to give here. But bigger things, too. Think about what are the things that are going to last? God, what are you calling me to invest in? And invest in eternity. Don't walk away an eternal pauper poor because all of your investments have rotted. Invest your energy, your time, your resources, your money in the treasures that really last, that really matter. Let me pray for you. I pray, Lord, for the blessing of generosity that um, this would not be out of legalism or um, a spiritual idea that's just hypocrisy, but would you, Lord, call us to treasure the things dearest to your heart, to invest in the things that really do matter the most with our energy, with our time, with our resources, with our money. And Lord, I pray that those resources as we invest them would last and the kingdom would be built as you've called us and we would be able to enjoy the blessing of that. Thank you for your word, for the challenge of it. Help us, Lord, to let go. You know how tightly we grip onto these things. And only your spirit can force our hand. We pray that it would. In Christ's name, all God's people said, amen. Thanks so much for listening to the Bridges podcast. Check out Bridges Community Church website at bridgescc.org for more information.